Hey, guys. I was listening to the Patreon outtakes, and my favorite, probably one of my most favorite things I've ever heard on Sick and Wrong is when you guys were talking about that 17-year-old child prostitute and prince, whatever his name is, of England, going horseback riding, and Harrison automatically assumed it was some weird, like, sex fetish act, not like actually going horseback riding. God fucking bless you guys. Love you to death. All right, bye. Oh, yeah, my favorite podcast is the Sick and Wrong Podcast. Cause it's a very good podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a funny, 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 funny show. Sick and Wrong Podcast is a wonderful podcast. It's a miraculous podcast. It's like the best podcast in the whole wide, wide, wide world. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's stories for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, E. Simon. I'm Harrison. Harrison, what's cracking? How you feeling? Uh, you know, it is what it is, man. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Um. Well, you got to be excited about the uh, RNC this week, aren't you? No. Not no. Um, <laughs> I mean, it'll be interesting to see what you know. And I'm looking forward to hearing Putin speak. Mm, yeah. I don't know which night that is. Maybe Wednesday. Mm. But uh, yeah, he's going to address all of his uh, big fans. Now, you know, I don't understand the point of these conventions. Like, who cares? I, I mean, guess it's I, to get the I actually, I didn't watch it. I actually watched highlights from the DNC one. I found it, like, more watchable than, than the other, any other convention I've ever seen. Do you remember the one uh, counting the Democratic Convention in 1968? Um, remember the one with that? Uh, was that Hillary last year when the balloons went off and she had that like just that bizarre facial expression? I don't remember that. Uh, it became mm. a meme. Well, a lot just like of things the, about just like the people in like a stadium in like a convention center, like with the stupid hats and like glasses that stay of the year, or maybe I'm just imagining that, but just like. It's just fucking retarded. It just looks like everyone is is a, a, a you know slavering uh, animal. You know, I don't I know. Just, I, I just I, don't. I, understand. I hate them normally. This was like this was stupid, and it was like, but it was like a an improvement over what they usually are. My God. Well, did Biden do it from his living room? Like, where, where did they do it? I don't know. I didn't watch his speech. Oh, okay, I, I, but I mean, they didn't have an actual. He accepted it in like right? a like a he accepted it in a in a the fucking base the like library basement library of like a high school or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think uh, mm. the one thing that I I don't think Putin's really going to be a speaker. I was joking about that. Yeah. Although you mm. didn't seem surprised. No. no <laughs> like at this point, no. it's like who cares? Yeah. But you know who is going to be a speaker? That couple. Mm that pointed guns at the uh, Black Lives Matter protesters. You know, that Missouri couple that came out? Oh. Yeah. yeah. And that kid and that kid that um, 
that kid that smirked at a Native American. Do you remember oh, that? Wait, that kid's going to be another speaker? Or That's is he... right. No, I'm serious. He's a speaker. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. This. Yeah. It, it's so it's so ridiculous that it's just yeah. almost like. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the debates because that will be funny. Even though it sucks that I don't think they're gonna be in the same room. I, like they're just like getting just a, like a roster of just assholes. I, know, I mean, n- not that I'm a fan of the Democrats, but like, you know, at least some of them like have somewhat good intentions, you know. Um, but yeah, like, they're not just glorifying complete pricks. I mean, yeah. did, did you read about a? The worst thing is if if the Democrats lose this election, they're gonna go so they're gonna go so far to the right that, like. Oh no! This this we're not even be like Handmaid's know. Tale. Like yeah, we're not even gonna know what's gonna go. On. What, what party is what after that point? You know. Oh no! It's gonna be yeah. But I mean, who knows? Who knows what will happen? I'm actually looking for it. What I hope happens is I hope uh, he loses in like a landslide and then disputes the results of the election, which I think will happen. You know, inevitably. But It'll I think it'd be happen. yeah. I, I'm very. I'm just very much looking forward to him being like, nah, I'm not leaving. You know, Melania just fixed up the garden. We're yeah. staying here. Although, I mean, but it is kind of amazing how the Republican Party. Yeah, but then you just change the locks when he goes to Mar-a-Lago <laughs> for the weekend. Yeah, know? he just can't get no. back on the property. Yeah. Yeah. But it's amazing how the Republican Party, though, has changed. It's become so far right. Like, have you heard of this woman, Laura Loomer? Yes, I have. <laughs> she's, she's actually won a GOP primary. Yeah, I saw that. It's insane. Yeah. And her whole campaign is she just hates Muslims. Right. She's a proud Islamophobe is what she describes herself as. That that's a that's a candidate who won a GOP primary. Right. There's something inherently wrong with this party. Yeah. There's so yeah. <laughs> anyway, I do wonder what the uh, the couple with the guns like who the fuck cares what they think? But apparently it's they're uh, very popular, so I guess we'll have to see that. Anyway, uh, moving on. Right. Um, I wonder what. Uh, yeah, where are they doing the? Are they doing it at the White House or something? I'm not even sure. I, I don't know. They're doing it on Zoom. You know. God. Mm. I was hoping that they would just be like a big. I, th- I was hoping Trump would be like, "Fuck it, COVID's a hoax. Let's just all mm. have this big." you know, convention and then just see what happens. Right. But I don't know. You know what? One good thing about COVID. I don't know if it's a good thing though, because COVID sucks is uh, flying is a hell of a lot less annoying. Mm-hmm. I don't know if have you, oh, yeah, you would, did you fly somewhere? Oh yeah. You flew uh, the, the road trip. I, you know, I found it. I found it pretty annoying. So I don't know. Yeah. Dude, I went to, I was going to LAX. I went there like uh-huh. two hours early, like you're supposed to. It took yeah. me less than 30 minutes to get to the airport. And you know how like usually when you get to LAX, it'll take you an hour just to go around to your terminal. Mm-hmm. There was no one there. Like there's just no one there. And it was like at 11 o'clock during the day. I just went right over on like a Tuesday, went right in and then no one in security got through the whole thing in like less than like 15 minutes and then i just had to sit there for i don't know a couple hours drink a beer yeah but it's 
I mean, that's it's surreal. Like LAX is like one of the worst airports I think in the world. So I don't know if it must be like that everywhere, but and not to mention it's you know significantly cheaper to fly now as well. I just wonder like if what's going to happen with these airlines though, or if people are going to start traveling again, or or when that's going to happen. But it's fucking bizarre being able to walk through LAX and through security with less than in less than a half an hour. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe one good thing about COVID. Anyway, um, I want to say thank you to Schlitzy for doing Patreon last uh, last week. I missed the Patreon. Um, that was kind of cool. Was that like a last ditch effort? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Just everybody I, else dropped out. I, I, I've 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 uh, pretty much alienated everyone I know. So I realized that, uh, you know, there's no one I can actually call to help me do it without, like, having to promise them a ton of shit. And then it occurred to me that, oh, yeah, Schlitzy. I don't think you'll ever alienate Schlitzy. I don't know no, what don't you would have so. to do to do that. It would, it, yeah, you would have to be, I don't know, something just atrocious to do that. I'm not sure. Maybe become a Republican or something. That That might not even work. Mm. Um. Anyway, thank you, Schlitzy, for uh, filling in. Though one of these days, I'm gonna have to use Schlitzy as my backup. Um. So on the uh, on the flight back, I picked up a book that uh, I hadn't heard of. Have you ever heard of a book called Wake of the Butcher? No. It's by an author named James Badal, who's like, who wrote this book, Wake of the Butcher, about the Cleveland torso murders. Mm-hmm. It's like one of Cleveland's biggest true crime stories, um, which I you know, wasn't really all that familiar with. Um, but this guy wrote a book about this with his theories because they've never solved that crime. They've never found the murder. And I mean, it happened so long ago. I mean, even before they even, you know, I mean, this guy was a serial killer back in like the 1930s. And it was from like thir- 1935 to 1938. But they've never solved this crime. And it's like, you know, Cleveland's greatest true crime legend. But this author wrote this book, Wake of the Butcher. And then, like, eight years later, he put out two more books about the same thing. Like, this guy is like, this is his thing. He's, like, obsessed with the Cleveland torso murders. It is kind of an interesting story, though. I think I was telling you about this a couple of weeks ago. Because Elliot Ness was uh, one of the uh, lead detectives in it. Which is odd, because Elliot Ness... You think of like untouchables, you know? Yeah. And like prohibition. Well, I mean, the guy definitely had a career after, you know, prohibition. Um, but yeah, this is uh, actually considered to be one of his biggest failures because he never could solve this murder. So the Cleveland Torso Murders, it's a great book. You should check it out. But uh, interesting thing to talk about. I wanted to bring it up here on the show. But the Cleveland Torso Murders, um, happened in Cleveland from 1935 to 1938. It's also called The Case of the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run. Um, so this guy, the serial killer at that time, is believed to have murdered and dismembered the corpses of about 12 people who are mostly just poor prostitutes and homeless citizens of uh, this uh, neighborhood called Kingsbury Run, which is sort of just like Skid Row. Which I'm, you know, I've never really. Have you have you been to Cleveland? 
No. I've only driven through it. But from whenever anyone ever like mentions Cleveland or they talk about it, they always refer to it as the armpit of America. But I can't imagine I, it being much worse than I thought like, that was New Florida. Jersey. Now, I always thought Jersey was too, but people say that Cleveland is the armpit of America. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I've been to Newark and Newark sucks. So, but yeah, I'm not sure. But I've only driven through Cleveland and it did look kind of, sh- it's like a place like, why would you go there? The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, who's going to go to that? Well, apparently in the 30s, it was much shittier. And so there was a big, massive, like, skid row area called Kingsbury Brun. And uh, this happened to be, you know, the, the killer's preferred hunting and dumping ground. Because there are a lot of hobos and indigents that, uh, that stayed around there. And so the victims that he chose mostly came from that, you know, the bottom of society. And so I think, uh, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, that's kind of what most serial killers do. You prey on the most vulnerable and the least likely to get caught because no one's really going to care if one of these guys goes missing. Um, But yeah, this dude killed, dismembered, and castrated 12 different victims. The first body was found in September 1934. And this was, well, what was found was the lower torso of a woman amputated at the knees. And the weirdest thing about it is when they found this torso of this woman, because they couldn't identify the body at the time, um, they found this like chemical present on her, present like on her skin that turned it red and leathery, which they're just, mm. you know, kind of confused about because why, why would this guy do this? Mm. Um, she was dubbed the Lady of the Lake because they couldn't identify her at the time. And then a couple years later, the second body was found. Um, these two kids were kind of going around the, around the river near Kingsbury Run, and uh, they found a decapitated head in the scrub brush kind of near the river. And then they, uh, a, little, a little ways up the river, they found the torso, which was actually decorated with tattoos, this tattooed torso. So the guy had, like, decapitated this corpse uh, cut off his arms and just had this torso that was covered in tattoos that, that was found. But the rest of the body was not found. Um, and the weirdest thing, too, is like even though they had the head, which was perfectly intact, it, it still took a few years for the Cleveland detectives to actually identify the guy. Um, but they did say that his tattoos led them to believe he was like a sailor. I, I love how back then it's like if you had tattoos, you're either a sailor or a convict. Or I guess you could be a tattooed, like, carnival freak show person. Um, But they say that this guy might have been a sailor or a convict or something. And so they they finally did identify him. His name was Edward Andrassi. He was a 28-year-old handsome man and a known bisexual. And he had been decapitated and castrated prior prior to his death. I do love this, though. In a police report, they noted that even in death, he actually managed to maintain his good looks. You know, even that decapitated head, still an attractive guy. But this still, like, you know, you had two bodies found. People weren't really uh, freaking out that much. Except 10 more over the next two years started, started appearing. And the same, you know, the same uh, M.O., you know, in most cases, the death was decapitation or dismemberment. And sometimes bodies were found just with their dismembered limbs, you know, kind of like 
conspicuously placed in different areas. It was almost some kind of like a morbid jigsaw puzzle or something that the, the cops had to put up, you know, put together here. Um, the body of victim nine was found eviscerated. The abdomen gutted and the heart actually ripped out, which is kind of a bit of a deviation from the typical MO. And then victim 10 was actually found with drugs in her system. So it's interesting how this guy was, you know, he was killing men, he was killing women, mostly men though. But of the 12 victims, only three were actually ever identified. The tattooed guy, um, Edward Andrassi. A third body was of a prostitute, uh, was identified as Florence Palillo. And then later the eighth body was thought to be this woman named Rose Wallace. So anyway, when people started dying, you know, now the, uh, the newspapers started freaking out saying we have, they didn't use the term serial killer because that didn't exist back then, but they were saying like the mad butcher, a sexual sadist, you know, castrating victims. So Cleveland started freaking out. People were freaking out. And so that's when they brought in Elliot Ness as the public safety director. And so he had just, before that, I mean, he lived in Chicago where he made his name as a federal agent um, you know, with uh, you know, using his bureau to enforce the Volstead Act. And uh, I guess at that point, you know, every time I think of Elliot Ness, I just think of Kevin Costner. Because he just kind of looks like him. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw that movie, though. The Untouchables? No. Uh, it was why, did they call the, why did they call them The Untouchables? Um, I guess it was uh, they gathered up a group of former soldiers football stars and police officers who are known for being incorruptible. So therefore untouchable by like the mobsters. So being that they wouldn't take any bribes or, uh, you know, or, or gifts of any sort, they became known as just the untouchables. And uh, then they fought this massive war against Al Capone. If you think about it, these guys just fucking suck. Hmm. Just ruining a good time. I mean, they would raid illegal distilleries, shoot up all the beer. You know, fuck these guys. Party killers. Um, but Elliot Ness made a huge name for himself. I mean, they made the movie Kevin Costner. Uh, he was uh, he almost kind of achieved sort of like mythic proportions, if you think about it. He was hyped by the mass media. Um, and, and the weird thing, too, is that The Untouchables actually played a relatively minor role in Capone's conviction. I mean, it's mostly tax evasion, I think, is what they took him down for. Yeah. So, I mean, The, the Untouchables, that I guess, kind of fucked with his operation, I suppose. But Elliot Ness became uh, this big Somebody hero. Somebody had to get his ledger or something, you know. Yeah, I guess someone had to do that. And I, I, he obviously disrupted his operations by, like, you know, raiding the distilleries. Um, I guess after, uh, so after all of that in the, in the thirties, he st he spent time chasing down moonshiners in Kentucky and Ohio. God, that guy just sucks. Mm. It's fucking. Why are they like, why are they always chasing after like bootleggers when it's not prohibition? I Like, what is the problem? Yeah. Like, that's why... what I don't understand. It's like, well, did, did they illegal? go up their home? people like i don't understand you know well when did prohibition ended what like end 1929 1931 1931 okay yeah so 1935 why is he still doing this 
Because he's just a, I don't know, Johnny Duke. Well, even up to, I don't know about now, but like in the 60s too, they'd go after moonshiners and the apple. Well, I think it's illegal. It is illegal, but it's like. But who cares, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And also like, why? Well, you'd also. is Is it so expensive? Like, is it that much cheaper to get liquor from like a fucking hillbilly? Like, I don't know. Where they're just not paying taxes on it? Is that why yeah, he's cracking why. down on them? Yeah. I mean, I can understand if, like, these shabines are blowing up or something and killing people. But, I mean, it's like, who cares if a bunch of hillbillies make their moonshine? If the shabines? Yeah, isn't that what those are called? The stills? No, I thought they're called shabines. Isn't that what they are? Have you ever heard maybe, that term? Maybe, maybe in South Africa. I don't know. I thought I swear they're called shabines. Mm. I remember in South Africa, actually, we had a maid who did have her own illegal shabine in our because uh, you get you know they they lived our maid lived on our property, but she was like full on making uh, her own whiskey. I never got to try it. I bet you it was good. I swear she called it a shabine. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So we spent some time chasing down shabine moonshiners. Something in. Uh, but I, I, because I used to eat at a South African restaurant called Aishabin Madiba. I wonder, maybe that is what a, I thought that was like the term for an illegal whiskey still mm. or distillery or something. But maybe I might be mistaken. I mm. usually am. So anyway, Ness spent some time chasing down moonshiners, which is great for that we're paying for this out of our tax dollars. Um, but uh, since he had like all this success against you know the uh, you know Cleveland's Italian mafia and its corrupt police officers, because uh, once he moved to Cleveland, they they named him uh, the public safety director. That when uh, all this happened with the Mad Butcher, they're just like you're in charge of this investigation, and so uh, you know he he kind of put his reputation on the line for this. And unfortunately, most of his gains in Cleveland were forgotten because he failed to ever catch the Mad Butcher. So during this period, like 1938, is when you know, people were freaking out about it. I mean, there was, at this point, there were 10 victims. And uh, they, found a, uh, they found another, another uh, uh, lower torso woman uh, near the banks of the Cuyahoga River. And then they found another uh, another woman wrapped up in a man's double-breasted blazer jacket. Um, she was also missing limbs. And mm-hmm. the uh, coroner theorized that she had been refrigerated at some point. Uh, he also noted that uh, she had drugs in her system prior to the death. And so during this period, you know, Elliot Ness was, was facing a lot of criticism because he hadn't solved the crime yet. People were freaking out about it. Um, and so uh, the other thing that's kind of interesting about this, this killer is he would taunt Ness. He actually, in fact, even after, you know, years later, after the murders stopped, Elliot Ness would still be taunted by this guy with postcards. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But so um, this, at one point, like right around the 1938, the height of the murders, the killer taunted Ness by placing the remains of two victims in full view of his office in city hall it's a bold move that's like batman type of shit this guy's like a super villain speaking of batman did you see uh the new trailer i did not i think uh what's his name twilight guy 
Looks a mm. lot like Crispin Glover these days. Hmm. Who I think would have made a great Batman. Right, yeah. But hey. um, So yeah, so Ness was uh, facing some pretty harsh criticism at this point. So he needed some kind of win. So, uh, <laughs> so what he decided to do is uh, he, he knew like, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of victims were, were, being, uh, were being found at this Kingsbury run, the, the Skid Row area. So he was like, let's just completely demolish it. And so he got like 63 guys together and they burned down all the shanties mm. and just, uh, and yeah, and destroyed all the wooden shacks that the homeless people lived in. Because he felt that this would deny the Mad Butcher his favorite hunting ground. But as you can imagine, the, uh, the move just sort of stoked further resentment against Ness. Because they're like, why are you doing this to homeless people? Yeah. Because at least the homeless people had an area, you know, they lived in. Mm. It didn't bother everybody else. But now he just burned down all their homes. Mm. You know? Um, so... He felt that, uh, you know, this is a good move. You know, they're, it's going to stop the murders and all that. Um, but, you know, they're, you know they're, and the public believed the violent raid, you know, would do nothing to stop the murders, but no bodies were found after it. So I don't know if it might be successful. Hmm. Um, they also on this case, actually, it wasn't just Elliot Ness. There was a, uh, Elliot Ness was kind of in charge of it. But the other, uh, the main investigator was this, this Cleveland detective named Peter Marylow. This guy wasn't a white collar, you know, educate, college educated detective. This guy was a blue collar investigator. He could speak several European languages. He was originally born in Eastern Europe. This guy's like Columbo. I would say he's more like Columbo. The other guy's, you know, uh, and Ness is more like a Kevin Costner type. Um, but he, he actually investigated this Matt Butcher case for 18 years. And when asked about the killer, he said the murderer is a sex degenerate, a necrophiliac who may have worked in the pathology department of some hospital morgue or some college where he had an opportunity to handle a great number of bodies. Um, but yeah, he was, he was you know outright saying this guy was a sex degenerate. The other thing that Merlo did too is he connected the murders in Cleveland to similar murders that were happening in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, which isn't all that far away. But over there, like kind of around the same time, residents were finding uh, decapitated corpses. And there are only about six bodies over there, but the, the similarities in the mutilation of the corpses made him kind of put a connection between the two things. Now, though the crime was never solved, there were several suspects because I could imagine like, you know, at that time, wouldn't they, wouldn't they be like, just pick a transient and blame that guy, which is kind of what they did or pick like a retarded guy, mm. you know, a simpleton. Um, so Ness actually did find a suspect, but he was kind of low key about it. Like he uh, was re really tight lipped about who he thought was, uh, was, was, and, who he thought was a was the actual murderer because he kind of didn't want it getting out, but the uh, the um, coroner Samuel Gerber insisted that because of the precision of the dismemberment, the guy ha was probably a doctor or a surgeon or an army surgeon at some point, and uh, he also told the Texas to find a doctor who uh, had a past conviction for a sex crime, or as an alcoholic or drug addict. And so by using this method, 
Ness and his officers came across a guy named Dr. Francis E. Sweeney, who was a physically powerful man, but he was a hopeless drunk and schizophrenic. And he actually grew up near the Kingsbury Run area and had a practice right near the Kingsbury Run area. So this guy, he was a veteran from World War I. There are rumors that he was bisexual. Um, he had once been a surgeon at the uh, local hospital, but he had been let go due to his alcoholism. And so the weird thing about this guy, Sweeney, is that he had virtually no oversight at the hospital. So he could come and go as he pleased. Um, you know, he worked, uh, he's almost like the, 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 the perfect profile, according to like, you know, what the coroner said to look for. Uh, he also had a lot of problems in uh, probate court as well. Um, he, because he was such an alcoholic, he neglected his practice, abused his, couple, his two sons. He would disappear for weeks at a time. Um, so now Ness pinpointed this guy. They arrested him. And what they did is they took him to a hotel room in the, uh, the old Cleveland Hotel, which I guess now is the Renaissance Hotel. Um, and he held, they held him there for like two weeks. And it took like it took about three days for the guy just to dry out. But I mean, they held him there for two weeks illegally. Didn't tell anybody about it. And uh, Ness brought in a the, the inventor of the polygraph, Leonard Keeler, who brought his machine to to, in, to Cleveland in secret and administered the test. Um, and so the people in the room, David Kells was the uh, head of the scientific, I guess, kind of Cleveland CIS at the time. Um, Keeler said that this guy, I am 95% sure this guy's your man. He's like, I'd throw my machine out the window if, it's, if uh, you said anything different. And so um, Keeler found, they gave him two polygraphs and he failed both of them. So it's kind of obvious that, that Sweeney definitely, you know, there, there definitely was, there wasn't concrete evidence, but I mean, the guy failed two polygraphs under examination. I don't know if, I don't know if that would up, be you know held up in court at that at that point um but anyway because he didn't have any actual evidence and the fact that he found out that that francis sweeney dr sweeney here was actually the first cousin of a congressman from the 20th district over in cleveland named martin sweeney they're like we we can't bring a court because we can't bring a case against this guy in court because uh, it'd be thrown out and not to mention congressman sweeney already hounded Ness, Ness publicly about his failure to catch the killer. So if he found out that he was, you know, fingering his, uh, his first cousin, then who knows what would happen. So anyway, he had to let he him was go. Doing, he was doing what to his first cousin? No, if he, you know, fingered, if he, you know, the pinpointed him, accused oh. him of being a murderer. <laughs> he wasn't fingering, but I was using the term, you know. Isn't that what, uh, how Mike Hammer would refer to it? He fingered me. Remember that show, yeah. Um, so anyway, because of his connections to this congressman, he couldn't really do much about it. And the weird thing is, after he had been let go, uh, Sweeney ended up committing himself to a hospital for schizophrenia. And so he was in, his ho- he was in the hospital until he died in the 60s. He actually died in a veteran's hospital. But during that whole time, he sent threatening postcards and harassed Ness's and, f- as, and his family all the way into the 60s. For like two decades, mm. he would send him postcards taunting him. That's great. So it's, it's never been proven that, you know, 
who actually did the murder. The you know the I mean people, this this author in this book says he's like ninety eight percent sure it was this doctor, just because a lot of evidence comes up. You know what? You know they say like the precision of the cut. The guy obviously knew uh, you know the geography of the human body, um, but. This uh, the guy who wrote the book, James Bedell, said that um, the, I guess the Undertaker, the morgue, had a contract with the city to take care of indigent and unclaimed bodies, and Sweeney had some privilege at this funeral home because I guess he had like worked there for a bit and was friends with the owner, so he could actually go over and practice surgical techniques on unclaimed bodies. So this guy, and being that the funeral home was, was almost next door to his doctor office, to the, his actual medical office, um, this author is proposing that you know, this guy probably dismembered the corpses in this morgue because they'd never found blood anywhere. They just found like you know, the dismembered body. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's kind of weird is uh, he pointed this out too um, in his, the first book in 2001. I guess there's a story of this vagrant, Emil Fronek, who claimed that a Cleveland doctor like fed him a meal and then tried to drug him. And he actually managed to fight the doctor off and run like into like a crowd of people. Okay. But they never, you know, police never believed the guy because he was like a vagrant, so who really cares? So what, what they ended up doing, and this is kind of, yeah, I imagine this happened all the time at, at that point, they ended up, uh, uh, the sheriff got sick of waiting for Elliot Ness to solve this crime. So he went out and arrested a, uh, a bricklayer with like, you know, um, mental issues. They basically just found a rotundo and they're like, you're the guy who murdered, murdered uh, Flo Pilillo. And she was a prostitute who actually was acquainted with this guy, this bricklay- simple bricklayer named Frank Dolezal. And so Dolezal, you know, had obviously probably procured the services of Flo Palillo, which is a great name for a, a Cleveland prostitute, Flo Palillo. Um, and he was also acquainted with another prostitute, Rose Wallace, who was found dead. So they just uh, arrested the guy. Um, and they said the police initially claimed that he confessed. There was speculation that the uh, confession had been coached or coerced because he obviously was a simpleton. Before he went to trial, Dolezal suspiciously hung himself in his cell. So this guy was like five foot eight, and he hung himself from a hook that was like five feet seven, or like five foot seven inches off the floor. But when they did an autopsy on him, they found out that he had six broken ribs, all of which had been obtained in the sheriff's custody. Was that the... um... This is the bricklayer, the simpleton. No, I know, but what do they call the... um... Was it the? Oh no, I'm thinking of a different state. Never mind. No, oh, outside of Ohio. But this, but I mean, you know, this is almost like the Epstein situation. Mm-hmm. You know, someone. Uh, I think it's they probably didn't want him to go to trial because it would come out that you know the confession was coerced, and I think mm-hmm. they just wanted to like, you know, find give the public somebody like an offering. This is a guy that did it. No need to be you know worried anymore. Sure, yeah. But, you know, it was never actually proven that, uh, you know, that Dolezal was the, the murderer, even though people claim that he's the one that they accuse as being the murderer. Uh, they also found another guy named Willie Johnson, 
who was uh, he was caught after leaving 19-year-old Margaret Francis Wilson's dismembered remains in Kingsbury Run. He was convicted of murder. They claim he also knew the victim, Rose Wallace, but he said he didn't kill any of the torso victims. He was executed in 1944. So, never really found it. If you ask me, I think it's the doctor. It's almost like, uh, did you ever see From Hell? Oh, yeah. yeah. Was it, was, right, wasn't right, their right theory? Read it too. Yeah, it was the, yeah, it was uh, Sir, whatever the fuck his name is, the surgeon. Yeah, the surgeon. Um, Although, although in actuality, he um, uh, he's really not a viable suspect, or as much as they make it seem like it. he like he's one of the less viable suspects out of many of the Ripper suspects, just because he had had a stroke or something, and like during the the period he wouldn't have been able to commit the murder. Yeah, before that, yeah, he was so like his arms were so like a you know he could barely do anything. He couldn't do surgery anymore. You know, he could. He was really not that mobile so and there were a lot of victims too i mean he'd have to yeah you know overcome like a i don't know like a 25 year old prostitute and this guy was how old was the guy like in his 60s yeah he was, he was yeah, older. an older yeah. guy so. um what's interesting about the torso murder case is it definitely it did two things it showed elliot ness's skills as a you know investigator but it also exposed flaws Flaws just in, in criminal investigations at the time, but also Elliot Ness's flaws. Um, you know, I mean, he was a famed investigator. That's why they brought him in. Um, but one thing that was interesting is he, you know, the uh, Francis Sweeney, no one ever found out about that, that he was even interviewed, which is kind of amazing that he was able to do it so discreetly. Right. But yeah, yeah. like he never, they never said anything about that. So it never came out. But... Because he was so desperate to catch the killer, mainly because of uh, being ridiculed in public by that congressman, um, you know, he he did violate some civil liberties. I mean, he kept Sweeney in a hotel for a couple weeks. Uh, he mm-hmm. hired off the books undercover investigators, including a marijuana dealer. And then in the end, you know, he ended up uh, burning all the shanty towns, you know, the shanties down. You know, basically just like making all these homeless people who are already homeless, you know, what now, now they can't even sleep in their little boxes, you know? So, I mean, the guy definitely had to, um, you know, I think he had to like under intense pressure, you know, I think he decided that his righteous goal justified his cruel techniques here. (laughs) But in the end, it kind of, you know, he never, I wouldn't say it's, you know, it overshadowed his other accomplishments. Cause I mean, when you think Elliot Ness, you think of, you know, prohibition and Al Capone and all that. Uh, but it definitely, in the city of Cleveland, you know, they definitely kind of think that guy's a loser. Never solved the crime. And so, yeah, so after, uh, you know, eventually the murders stopped, no more bodies were found. The case just ran cold. And uh, they never really found anything else about this guy. So it's one of the longest unsolved uh, serial killings. But check out, the, the book is good in the wake of the, mm. the, wake of the butcher. Uh, it's uh, James Bedell, two thousand one. But yeah, I'm surprised. You know, I'm, I'm I'm surprised they haven't made a movie of this one. You know, you'd think you know Elliot Ness. People love the guy. I think you'd make a movie like a kind of a seven type of thing. They, Get, it's I think it's harder to make them when the per- person isn't caught. You know, like they can do a Zodiac and shit. But usually, yeah. when you do a movie like that, you kind of have to like. 
pick a suspect. Well, I you know? think they they should pick the doctor if anyone. But I mean, obviously he was never uh, tried for it. So, mm. but yeah, it's interesting. Anyway, um, people, this is episode seven fifty three here. Sick and wrong. We have some news stories come up next. We have some phone calls a little later in the show. Uh, but first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hello, Sick and Wrong patrons. In case you haven't noticed, and judging by the numbers you haven't, Sick and Wrong has their very own Patreon page, where you can find outtakes, extra stories, extra phone calls, and a whole lot more. These guys are putting out at least another hour to a week of additional content. To put it in perspective, here are some things that are more expensive than a $5 a month membership on Patreon. A pack of smokes. A value meal at any drive-thru. One $6 whore. Three $2 whores. A $10 crack rock. A six-pack of beer. A beer at pretty much any club. One movie ticket. Two joints. And two gallons of petrol. Hell, when you break it up, it costs less than 17 cents a day. And that's cheaper than feeding a starving African child. So sign up and help these Jews continue to craft the fine podcast we all enjoy so much today. So first story we have here has to do with a guy who came up with a very elaborate plot to stop his girlfriend from breaking up with him. I mean, this guy's creative. I, I don't think I could be this thorough. I, don't, I just don't think I could be that committed to it. Mm. But maybe, I guess, depends on the girl. So this guy faked cancer and took 20 pills a day to stop his girlfriend from breaking up with him. So a man lied about having cancer. He took unnecessary medication to keep her uh, to keep his girlfriend in their in their relationship. I'm not quite sure how to say his surname, but I'm just going to say Beavis because his name is Kevin B E V I S. Probably Kevin Bevis, but I kind of like right. Beavis. So I'm just going to say Beavis. So Kevin Beavis from Sittingburn in Kent. This is in England. He lied about getting terminal stomach cancer to his then-girlfriend Karen Gregory and a manipulative move in order to keep her in a relationship with him. Not a sign of a healthy relationship there. And so to maintain this lie, he took over 20 pills a day, as well as asking her to travel with him to fake hospital appointments and convincing her friends of his illness and getting them to sponsor him on certain events like a charity run for his treatment. I mean, this guy, this is a very elaborate ruse. Have you ever actually broken up with a girl where, you know, you tried to like convince her not to do it? Like pleaded with her? You mean what? You mean she was trying to break up with me? Yeah. Like where you would even think of doing something like this. Wait a minute. Are you asking me if I've ever asked someone not to break up with me or if I've ever faked cancer? <laughs> not fake cancer, but like go to some some insane lengths to kind of keep this person in a relationship with you, even though she doesn't want to be in a relationship with you. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. Th- I mean, I don't know. It's a different mentality but my whole thing is like if you don't want to be in a relationship i'm not going to beg and plead you to stay with me you know we'll just talk about it if it's not going to work out then we move on but this guy well this guy obviously has some uh, some issues here 
Um, but to make the fake hospital appointments, there's a lot of moving parts to this that you'd have to maintain at all times. And he did this for months. So Beavis would make Miss Gregory wait outside the hospital, claiming he didn't want her to see him like having chemo. So she would wait for like three hours outside the hospital. She'd drive him to the appointment. He'd walk in with his cane. And I don't know what he would do. Just watch like, watch the footy on his uh, iPhone. You know, I, I, I don't know what he'd do for three hours, but then he would come out and she was waiting for him. And uh, she did this for, for months. Um, actually, I take that back. She did this for three years. Um, but then uh, I guess what brought an end to their relationship was that he choked her in a violent attack. And uh, so she ended up calling the police and he confessed to this, uh, to this all being a ruse, all being a lie. So the court heard how Miss Gregory, she's 50 years old, was close to breaking up with Beavis. He's 38. Um, two years into their relationship. Uh, when he repeatedly requested her to go swinging. And I think that's, despite her disinterest, I think that is the crux of most, you know, relationship issues in England. You know, one partner's into dogging, the other one's not. And yeah. you, can't, you, you can't have a healthy relationship unless you're, it's either all or nothing with that, you know? And so I bet you, that's why I always wondered with doggers in general, do you think women, how many women are actually like, I'm really into dogging? I bet you most of them just get, you know, berated or, or coerced into it by their partner. I can't imagine so many. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine that either. So mm. anyway, he's sitting here badgering her to go swinging and she's like, no. And so finally she's like, all right, this relationship's done. I, I can't deal with this anymore. And so then he told her that he had stomach cancer, stage four stomach cancer. Mm. And so after he, he told her this, she felt that she had to stay with him. Which, I mean, this woman's kind of a saint if you think about it. But, I mean, maybe I'm an asshole, which I probably am. But if I had a, a difficult relationship like this and I was already going to break it off with a person, if they're like, I have cancer, I don't think that would, you know, bend my resolve. I mean, would you stay with the person? I would help them. I would definitely, if I would help them if they yeah. needed it. But I don't think I would stay in a relationship that I was already planning to end. Probably not. You know, but this woman's like, even after all this, you know, two years, this guy trying to get her to go, go dogging. And she's like, all right, he's got cancer. I'm just going to stick with him. Uh, speaking about the ways he convinced her of his illness, she said she would pick him up and uh, at the hospital and he would come out with bandages and tell me about all the nurses there. He would have a box of pills that he would take throughout the day that she had to help sort him out. She would also help him walk around the garden using a cane. So he like, you know, would fake, you know, probably walk. I bet you even like changed his tone of voice. I wonder right. if he, I wonder if he made her help him go to the bathroom. Can you shake it off? I'm just too weak. He mm. probably did. I bet you he probably even changed his affectation. Right. She later found out that the pills were just vitamins. So he was taking like 20 vitamins a day. Um, 
The prosecutor here, Ed Fowler, explained how Miss Gregory felt pressure to fulfill Beavis's desires, as well as an inability to leave him alone due to his illness. Um, he said that she didn't know at the time that you know that it was fake, and she began to feel very guilty for him and couldn't leave him by himself due to his condition because he said he couldn't you know he couldn't function on his own. So she tried to appease him by giving him more attention. Um, and she took on more jobs so he could leave his job because he was too sick to work. And then she would provide him with more sex as well because that's what he said to help him heal and feel better. God, this guy's such a piece of shit. Hmm. Um, the court also heard how he asked Miss Gregory to have sex with other men, to which she agreed reluctantly to do, even though she wasn't into it. What, what, is, what the fuck? Is this guy like, is this like his Make-A-Wish Foundation? You know, it's like, my last wish is for the lads to run a train on you. I'm dying, please. And she's like, all right. Yeah. On a number of occasions, she felt she was coerced into having sex with several different men. Mm. One in a public car park, which she said was one of his <laughs> fantasies. The fantasies of a dying man. See a parking attendant shag his wife behind a Toyota Yaris. Right. <laughs> God. <laughs> He's just such an awful man. And I guess, you know, as you know, as as he progressed with uh with this lie of this of his ruse, his cancer ruse, he then told her that he had stage four a stage four brain tumor, uh, leaving her under the impression that this was terminal. He only had a few months left. And had to have even more sex with him because of it, which doesn't make any sense to me because I've known people in stage four cancer and usually sex isn't the first thing on their minds, you know, but I don't know who's to say it's subjective. Um, things came to a head last December when, uh, during an argument, um, he put his hands around her neck and choked her for five or six seconds and told her that he had nothing to live for. Uh, this she reported to the police, and then uh, when they arrested him, he admitted to not having cancer, and that was all a lie to keep her with him. Um, so yeah, so he's serving 18 months for, uh, for this subjecting this woman to such psychological abuse. Mm. <laughs> yeah, what a piece of shit. I uh, hope, uh, hope those English ladies don't see him on Tinder when he gets out. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> what do you have here for the second story? All right. So this was sent from uh, Evil Bunny. Evil Bunny. Yeah. Disturbing movement member of Facebook group dedicated to pointing loaded guns at one's genitalia accidentally shoots himself in the testicles testicles yeah it's a billy joel song i think yeah that sounds like a billy joel song <laughs> that's exactly what it sounds like <laughs> um a member of a facebook group where men jokingly post photos of themselves pointing loaded guns at their genitals accidentally shot himself in his privates god yeah <laughs> you so. know, i'm not against this facebook group actually mm -hmm. this is like a 
a Darwinian Facebook group, if you think about it. Well, it's it's called Loaded Gun. Wait, hold on a second. I have a suspicion about it, but um, what's the group called? It's called um, the fuck. Loaded guns pointed at Venus, but Venus. like B is in B is in um, hard brackets. Is that like an alt right thing or something? Venus. I don't know. The only thing I could think of is uh, is like uh, slash B, you know, on like oh, uh, um, 4chan. Yeah, like 4chan. Um, but that's the only reason I, I, I can what, think of. What does that mean, that. slash B? Is that like some kind of code thing? It's just like one of the, whatever the fuck the, the you know, the, um, uh, bleh. Whatever the subreddits are called on 4chan, they're not called subreddits, obviously. They're called, like, something else. Oh, it's one of them, okay. and it just seems to be the one where there's just, like, general these, mayhem, you know? So these malcontents hang out there? Well, that's all of, that's all of that's the 4chan, internet. you know? Yeah. And the internet, yeah. So, uh, let's see here. Yeah, Slash B is, uh, that's a great question. I think it's the first one. I think it was the first deal. Oh, that was like the first subreddit or whatever. Yeah, it's random. It's it's uh it's basically random. But it's like because it's 4chan, it's like the fuck was that? It's like anime slash random. Because <laughs> everything on 4chan is like anime slash whatever, you know? Nothing cannot have anime involved. Yeah, I've never really been I mean I've dabbled in 4chan like i've gone in there and i've seen you know links but i've never really been an avid user i probably use reddit more than 4chan and i hate reddit have you ever been have you ever like do, do you have to have like a login for 4chan to post to post i mean you post to not everybody posts anonymously on 4chan um twice as by anonymous for everybody but yeah you have to sign up i think to post to some yeah. degree. And does yeah. it take karma or whatever the fuck thing that Reddit has to? You know, I don't know. I've never posted on there. Thankfully. Yeah, I've never been, I've, I've never really got yeah. into 4chan. Yeah. Although occasionally people send me links to, to a 4chan I mean, I've page. gone on there to get like, you know, top information for yeah. possible topics and shit. But uh, yeah, so member of, yeah, uh, yeah. Accidentally shot himself. The bizarre incident took place on Tuesday in San Diego, California, landing the trigger happy man in the hospital to be treated for injuries to the scrotum. To the scrote. Yeah, so uh, a man who has not been named is reportedly a member of that group. Uh, the group was created in May to get a rise out of responsible gun owners by showcasing photos of men pointing loaded firearms with the safety off at their crotches. <laughs> what kind of rise is that going to elicit? I mean, would you be upset by that? I would be like, please shoot your cock off. Just shoot your dick off. Yeah, it's, it is kind of weird. I mean, what do they think? Like, uh, I mean, and plus, is this like libtard gun owners or something that they're trying to terrorize? Or is it just any responsible gun owner? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, 
and I don't know, like, if you're trying to get a rise out of responsible gun owners, like, I don't know where that puts you on the spectrum <laughs> yeah, of I don't get it either. every random weirdo, but, uh, yeah. So the clip shows the man pointing the loaded gun with safety off at his crotch. After a few seconds, the pistol discharges. Did you see the the picture of the guy? Why would it be a video if something if you didn't expect something to happen, though? You know, you could just have a fucking picture of yourself pointing. Yeah, but they probably want to post just videos of them like holding the gun and then putting it down their crotch crotch and like taunting. But did you I think I don't know if this was the guy, but the, the news article I read had a picture of this guy wearing jeans, just pointing a loaded gun at his crotch and the the facial expression of his cat is priceless. The cat's like wide eyed, just like, what the fuck are you doing? I did see that. Did you yeah. see that? It's like yeah, the cat's just like, what are weird. you doing? Hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, it discharges, uh, that is exactly what the San Diego resident was doing when he shot himself this week. He posted nice. a video of himself showing off his 45 caliber 1911 pistol then pressing the muzzle against his genitals. After a few seconds, the gun discharges. Oh God, I wish he would have just, I wish he would have shot off his entire dick, not just the scrot. The wounded man uh, documented what happened next in a series of posts writing, hey, boys, I might've fucked up. (laughs) And B and boys is in the brackets. B-O-I-S. Yeah, and B separated in brackets, which is like, uh, who even gets I don't that? I don't know. I think it's like if you're an alt-right 4chan dickhead who likes to point loaded guns at your dick, that probably right. means something. It's just like uh, it's just like just get you know, just all go and watch fucking anime together, you know? Or something just, or hentai go, or who cares? Why does everybody yeah. got to, you know, uh, yeah, whatever. Just go watch Fooly Cooly and fucking leave me alone. <laughs> Uh, the comment was accompanied by a photo showing the man's exposed legs with a towel pressed in between them. <laughs> Drops of blood on the floor and a crumpled copy of the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> He's got a crumpled copy of the U.S. Constitution just laying on the ground. Yeah. That's that's normal. Semper Fi. <laughs> Uh, I'm not kidding. I just shot myself. The gun enthusiast continued. Whoa. What? Continued her narration. What? Wow. Wait a second. What? what? Does she? Wait, wait. Is this like a gender non-binary person? I'm or sorry. Do women have scrotums? Is there some <laughs> kind of like female equivalent of scrotums? I think this is a mistake. I, that sounds like a mistake. Yeah. yeah. God's caliber went through my scrotum mattress. <laughs> Box spring and floor. God's caliber. Yeah. God has great bullets. I don't so, know about that. I, I feel like if it was God caliber, it would be 70, 72 <laughs> uh, millimeters, but whatever. Um, as Vice reported, the man initially thought the bullet had just grazed his body, but a trip to the hospital confirmed that the round had uh, gone straight through scrotum. Leaving an entry and exit wound. Do you when this happens? Mm. Do, does the hospital, you know, they're like, "Oh, you did this to yourself. Why? Oh, because you're part of a Facebook group where you guys like to show each other that you have guns pointed at your crotch." Do the cops just take your gun away after this, or do you get the gun back? 
Because you should lose the gun. No, I don't think they can do that. I think you should. You unless should have you your gun confiscated. Crime, unless there's a crime committed, you know. So, and also, you know, I don't know. I guess you could tell the cops kind of whatever you want, you know. Yeah, but would you say? I would almost think this is like a fifty-one fifty incident. Um. Yeah, you could do that, but I mean, what? Are, what are they going? They're going to put you in there for forty-eight hours, and then you're home. Yeah, and then you get you know, home, give you your gun shit. back. Yeah. And uh, he reportedly shared a photo of himself laying on a gurney, wearing a hospital gown and pointing his finger at his privates in a gesture mimicking a gun. So, wow, this guy, mm -hmm. this guy does not have a girlfriend. An admin uh, for the Facebook group reported that the victim was 100% okay and even went to work the following day. Well, I wonder if he told anybody at work about his Facebook group, his Facebook uh, friends. I mean, he's got to be like work, walking kind of slow, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's got, yeah, he's going to have a little weird, a weird yeah. gait. Yeah. Uh, San Diego Police Department has confirmed that officers were called to the hospital at 8.30 p.m. for a report of a man suffering from a self-inflicted wound. Uh, so the Facebook group, um, oh, yeah, our, why are they repeating this sentence? I already set it up there. It's weird. But by the time they arrived at the hospital, the patient had been discharged. In the wake of the incident, other members of the Facebook group elevated the San Diego man to the status of an admin <laughs> and celebrated him as king. Maybe that was his uh, ploy the entire time. It's like, I want to become an admin of the loaded guns pointed at the Venus group. And this is the only way. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, the reason we are calling him King is partially because the poor guy already shot himself. <laughs> Don't think he needs to be chastised as well. I'm quite sure he's learned his lesson without the entire world calling him an idiot. I don't think so. Yeah. I think the entire world needs to call this guy an idiot. Yeah, that's just what happens. Although now I kind of want to join the group. Do you think they'll let us in? No. Loaded guns pointed at the Venus. Yeah. I'm going to try. I mean, it seems pretty interesting to me. So. <laughs> yeah, it seems like these guys are would be, you know, cool people to know. Seems like they have it figured out. Yeah, yeah I think I'd have a lot in common with them, so I'm going to have to check that out. Next time, aim a little higher there, buddy. That's right. Uh, people send your stories, Podcast gmail.com. We have some phone calls coming up next. Three two three five two two four zero three two is that number. Uh, before we get to our calls, though, uh, here's a word from Adam and Eve. Hey guys, it's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code, Diddle, I can buy myself loads of good sex toys. Since both of my wives died, and my Logaric's disease got pretty bad, let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code DIDDLE, D-I-D-D-L-E, I am now a new man. Thanks. Your charging power, get your aim. And now we are turn on the
So we got a few phone calls to get to. Uh, 323-522-4032 is that number. Uh, this first one is from, um, remember that Swedish guy that called in with like his bro story in Amsterdam? I think they all got prostitutes. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, which bros are wont to do when they're in Amsterdam. Well, here he calls back with some further clarification. Greetings from Sweden, you cunts. This is the Swede, obviously. Not PewDiePie, Harrison. <coughs> Coming, commenting on all the last story. the same shit to me. Yeah, yeah I was about to say. Mm. <laughs> Pretty much all men in Sweden are PewDiePie. Mm. There were five friends, and not just my fucking hand. And also, yes, in my generation, well, at least for my particular group of friends, we always considered going to... Um, Amsterdam is a rite of passage, you know, like free oversight from the parents. And it felt like a place where we could fuck around and do anything without consequences. And uh, this was back in the day where not only truffles were legal, but also was regular sixties. No, he must have gone. Like, he, he must have gone in the nineties or early okay, aughts. Okay, all right. Because in the early aughts. You could get, I did mushrooms when I went there, but mm. I don't think you, you know, you can't, you can't get mushrooms anymore. Mm. Um, I think like 2008, 2009, a French girl took a bunch of mushrooms and fell off a bridge into a canal and drowned. Yeah, I remember that. So then they banned mushrooms, but they had like, I mean, several different varieties. It's kind of, yeah. I remember when I first went there, I was like, holy shit. So it was um, it in the 90s. Uh, quite a ways back. Uh, we never went to the Banana Bar B, uh, but we went to a place where um, those kind of face mask dildos were being used, you know, like uh, we got the fuck no. other faces. <laughs> Did they have to strap? Like, Do they have like a box of face mask dildos? You just strap it on. About a, is he talking about a dildo gag or a chindo? I think a chindo. Okay, all right. Yeah. All right. But I mean, how gross is that? Like, it's like yeah. you go to this random bar in the red light district and they come out with a box of chindos that right. they probably never clean. To like uh, techno music uh, when, when that was the deal. Well, you know, when in Rome, right? And um, concerning the Anne Frank. Oh, whatever. House. You're from Sweden. You know? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Uh, but I wonder if uh, they're probably not doing that anymore in the COVID, in the days of COVID. I wonder if they're even, uh, actually, I don't know. I don't know if Amsterdam is uh, open back up or what. Mm. Or if you have to wear face masks or body condoms or something. Well, Harrison, Harrison is astutely right. You can still be a delinquent and still be cultured. Uh, the, the different kind of districts in Amsterdam is indeed divided by color. So, for instance, the so-called regular customer uh, goes to the red light district. I'm sorry, what? I, you could be delinquent and still be... I, I think you, we were talking over that. I'll, I'll rewind it. But he was saying something about going to Anne Frank's house. Which I think... I never said that was cultured. I just said, you know, it's like going to New York without walking past the... Empire State Building. That yeah, it's just kind you... of a thing that you would do. It's not like yeah. you're going to the Rembrandt Museum or something. Yeah, I mean, that it's doesn't a... make you... Who's that gay guy who played Oscar Wilde in that movie and he does a bunch of 
Stephen something. God bless it. Stephen Buscemi. Yes, yeah, Stephen Buscemi. <laughs> hey, uh, that's who we're talking about. <laughs> Wait, you know, I'm trying to think. A gay guy that played Oscar Wilde. Yeah, he has a bunch of shows, and he's kind of like a urban Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Stephen Christ. Fry. I'm like six fucking absinths in the evenings. I don't know. <laughs> I don't give a shit about anything. All right. Uh, when when that was the deal, well, you know, when in Rome, right? And um, concerning the Anne Frank's house, well, Harrison Harrison is astutely right. You can still be a delinquent and still be cultured. Uh, the the different kind of districts in Amsterdam is Not indeed divided by color. So, for instance, the so-called regular customer. Uh, it goes to the red light district, regular. then that's your destination. Unless, you know, curiosity on your center side. Uh, the per- the purple light district is more for the likes of the curious, like Mr. Harrison himself. Uh, no shame or guilt passed on to him from my part on that particular subject, as I have myself partook. Uh, what is he talking about? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? I think I think the purple... I've never hired a prostitute. I don't know what he's talking about. I think I think what he's referring to is the purple area is for trans prostitutes. So maybe he's saying that he shagged a trans girl and you've shagged a trans girl. So he feels like a an element of kinship. Well, but you weren't right paying for it because yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> none. There's no kinship. Yeah, you're still a deviant, you Swede. Or for. Uh, how should I say it, the happier side of the demographics. Kind of like Disneyland for your brother, D. Uh, This was just an explanation on the insights uh, from your distinctive minds. Why can't you just say gay? What is wrong with you? (laughs) English is a second language. Hmm. I guess so. That you had on my previous story. Next time, uh, it will be a grammatically pleasing story but much more debauched uh keep it sick and keep it wrong and don't fucking call me pewdiepie yahibs the swede yeah, don't swedish people just sound like deviants just that i we should we should start the the old slur these use for swedish people square heads square heads <laughs> bring that back. i thought that was for germans or is that no, for swedish it's for swedish people's I think some other Scandinavian people can qualify, like Norwegians square and heads. shit, but squareheads. I don't know what that means or where it comes from, but it's what he used to do. So. <laughs> I think it would apply to this guy. But you think, yeah. think that when they speak English, they just sound so creepy. You know what? They, yeah, because it sounds weird because it doesn't sound like the way you'd expect a Scandinavian. Just because I've known so many like hacker guys from like Sweden and stuff who. And and that's also like the voice of so much weird like YouTube. Ne- yeah. Like I watch a lot of these like um, animated like horror stories. People like post on like no sleep or like let's not meet or whatever on Reddit. And then they had there's this whole YouTube subculture of people who read the stories out loud. Sometimes there's just creepy pictures and there's usually music, but sometimes there's like terrible animations of the stories. And some of the stories are just retarded but a lot like of the slender all, man type of thing some of them are some of them are supposed to be true some of them are just like some guy almost broke into my apartment or like i went to mcdonald's and somebody jizzed in the you know what like it varies you know and so, most of them are supposedly true but probably not 
And it's like the narrators kind of range from either the guys with that accent or hmm. just somebody who sounds like just just like a guy that sounds like he's on lithium and yeah, he just they, has no emotion at all. Just, no, that's I think yeah. that's what it is. It's just like, and, it's but he tells like the stories from everybody. So he's so they'll be like, I'm a I'm a, I was a 17 year old girl. This happened to me three years ago, and then tell a story. It's just no emotion, maybe because of the translation or what, but it just they sound so creepy. Yes, they're creepy. All right, next call we have here is from uh, Louise and Todd, that Randy couple that uh, tried to violate you. It just um, occurred to me that this, the the guy, I think that guy is the guy who had the ass biscuits. Like yeah, Todd. I think he's the guy ass. who would, yeah. yeah, who's like yeah. brother, like put biscuits in his ass or something and right. made him eat it. Something right. like that. No, he made dogs eat it. Oh, made dogs eat it. That's right. what happened. This is like that scene from American Psycho, the book, you know. <laughs> With a urinal cake? With the rats. You remember? Oh, yeah, that was gnarly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, here they are calling in about English festivals, which I don't think anyone got to experience uh, this summer. No. Which must be like a huge tragedy for the English people because they love going to festivals. Yeah, they'll, they they'll go see yeah. any band at a Crash, festival yeah. just to go to a festival. Yeah. Um. God, I hate festivals. Just start talking and when the well, bed is like when yeah. Time starts, is though. it when the timer starts? Yeah. Let's go for when the timer starts. It's it like starts it's it wrong. Yeah. Hello, second wrong. It's Todd. Long time no phone in. So it's obviously locked down in England and it's all very miserable and it's just a big echo chamber where you just kind of think about times of the past. And I was thinking about... Reminiscing about festivals of yore. Like they're, An they're... echo chamber where you think about time in the past. <laughs> Nobody said? Okay, just making sure. Something. Oh. Something that was quite funny... Uh, this is a sort of time where British people, I guess, go on a lot of weird festivals. I'm sure you've heard about all the antics that go on, like Glastonbury and Leeds and Reading festivals and down there. Have you ever been to any of these English festivals, like Reading no. or Glastonbury? Neither have I. I almost I, went to Reading one year. I've been, I've, like, two times I've been to Glastonbury. I, I got there, like, right after the festival, um, just because there's still a lot of, like, people in town, but you don't have to deal with all the nonsense. So. I, mean, I guess we were at Fringe. That's a, fe a weird festival there. But these mm. are like, uh, like I remember that, not Reading. I almost went to all tomorrow's parties and then just ended up not having enough money to go do it. But that, that was, I don't know if they still do that one, but they would get like a different artist to curate all the bands. So this year it was like Nick Cave and uh, a bunch of, bunch of people were going to go and then I just couldn't afford it. But yeah, I've never actually been to an English festival festivals, people snorting ketamine off each of the scrotum, ketamine. people being absolutely bathed in filth. But I thought I'd give a, a recount of one like particular festival I went to, which I guess you'd maybe describe as being like a middle class festival. It was like in sort of Oxfordshire. Um, and we went, it was like really good fun, did lots of magic mushrooms. Who plays at the middle class English festival? Like the Kings? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. So. Yeah, I don't know either. Well, maybe that means like it's more like dad rock rather than like Lollapalooza. Well, I guess Lollapalooza would be like dad rock now. Pretty much. Yeah. 
lots of acid and you know instead of getting really fucked up in a pile of mud we went to like a nina simone tribute and watched grace jones and stuff but i the thing that i want okay grace jones would be at the middle class event Mm. it's kind of cool yeah nina simone tribute so it's not like you know it's not like a grime festival or something yeah talk about is that the to the end of the festival it's a three-day festival it was on the sunday that it was like the tradition thing that they fucking did it, they had like this big old like family naked game of cricket okay so they have a big game of cricket but everyone has to strip and so i'm talking like old people like little kids uh everyone just goes and gets naked and like runs around and plays cricket which is kind of absurd straight from the get-go, and particularly if you're, you know, you've got a slightly fragile mind, it's kind of a little bit weird to get around your head. Of course, nudism, big thing. I get like why some people are into it, but you know, for the for the common man, it's kind of a weird. I can understand being nude at a festival, I guess, and dancing around, but why would you want to play a sport? I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm confused by this. Not to mention. What if you got like hit in the the balls or something? You'd think it'd be, you know, liability. Get a get get like a wicket smacking your nuts or something. It could hurt. <laughs> but they usually wear cups. Usually. Single, you know, people of all genders, people of all races, people of all ages, very liberating. All get naked. The point is that when we watch this like weird fucking naked cricket match. Um, and it's a big celebration of everyone getting, <laughs> there was this, you know, there was a bunch of like middle-aged dudes on pogo sticks and they were like swinging around each other and right at the end of the pogo stick, this like eight-year-old kid like ran out from his parents and he was still fully dressed and he ran in like, yeah, oh, he's liberated, this is going to be it, he's going to run into all the naked people. Uh, and he did, but the guys who were on the pogo sticks, like one of them like spun out uh, and collided with the kid, but it was just absolute genitals to this like eight year old kid's face <laughs> and just completely floored him to the floor uh, and knocked him down to the floor. Uh, that is some trauma. Jesus. Yeah. You got a, wow. It's gonna, that's gonna be a serial killer one day, this kid. It's like the next Dennis Nilsson. I think that's the three minutes, so I'm gonna have to cut off there. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. A, an insight into one of the weird festivals. Not a very yeah. good call, but we're really fucked. So. Yeah. We love you, Harrison. Yeah. Hail, Froggerson. Hail, Froggerson. Uh, love you too, D. Bye-bye. Froggerson? What does what that, where does that come from? Is that like your pet name for, or they, is their, their pet name for you? Did you pass out? No. No. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking drunk. Um, <laughs> I thought I heard snoring for a second. What so, were we were we Frogison. What does this Frogison mean? Oh, remember some point when I was I had my like uh, face rig thing, different characters. I was oh, like a frog, frog guy with a pipe. I was smoking a pipe and I had yeah, a big yeah, hat yeah, on. Yeah. Remember that shit? Yeah, yeah, that frog yeah, yeah. character. So that's no, what yeah. they call you Frogison. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine being. Uh, at one of these festivals like, with my family and being like, oh, let's all get naked and play cricket. Like, could you imagine like telling your kids to get naked and play cricket with you? No, it's, it's crazy. It's insane. It yeah. reminds me of, uh, you ever see that meme 
of the, it's like a little boy and his parents are only the same, and they're at the Folsom street fair or mm-hmm. some, some festival like that in San Francisco. And there's like a completely naked man. Like, and this, this kid's like right at crotch level. And he's got this look of pure horror on his face. And this little kid is just looking at this guy's genitalia, just like in shock. And this dude's just naked, just walking around San Francisco. I imagine that'd be the same thing. Like you got like some fucking Yahoo on a naked Yahoo on a pogo stick, you know, falling on top of you. Yeah. Ugh. God, that'd be <laughs> gross. Anyway, that's that's why you don't go to English festivals. Three days. Three days of that shit. I couldn't even I wouldn't even be able to handle four hours. I've done I think I've done a day at like a Lollapalooza or something. That was it. I've done one day at a Lollapalooza. I got yeah. really sunburned too, but yeah, I don't think but three days, like what do you do you sleep there? Like outside? You do, yeah. Where? Like in a tent? Yeah, in your tent. Jesus Christ. What the fuck? Or just in your sleeping bag outside as long as it doesn't rain. You just in the dirt. You just put a tarp up. Yeah, I've done it. Oh, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass on. Hard pass on that. Mm. Anyway, last call we have here. Uh, Jizzy Jake. You know what? You know, Jizzy Jake called in. And for the, I think maybe the first time ever, mm. he kept it to just two calls. Not like a six-part phone call. Okay. You know, it's actually, it's, it's succinct. He tells us there's a uh, beginning and an end to this narrative. I think it's, a, you know, it's, I'm going to play it here on the, uh, on the main show. But what I like about this call is now we're getting Jizzy Jake stories from North Hollywood, like right in our backyard. Whereas before, they'd always be from like North Carolina or Florida. But these are calls, you know, th- this could be you on this call. Like you could be involved with this particular shenanigan. Why? Because you hang out with them. You know? Oh, okay. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this could have been a shenanigan. Although, this particular shenanigan uh, involved Jizzy Jake and a uh, possibly a fat prostitute. But let's find out. Hey, you bitches. It's Jizzy Jake, motherfuckers. Um, you know, a lot of times when I call in with stories, the reason why they're always three, over three minutes is because I, uh, you know... I, I marinate on it for like weeks, so I got—I think I got a three-minuter for you. All right, let's, uh, let's start the clock. Marinates. Uh, so I was all yeah. fucking uh, like a fine wine. up at my house and shit, um, out in North Hollywood, and uh, and then I got a, a ding, you know. Does he live on his own, or does he have roommates? He has roommates. Oh, okay. Like in a house? Like he's in a house yeah. with? Mm-hmm. Oh, well. have you been over there? I have not yet. No. Oh, okay. I'm interested to meet his roommates. Tinder ding, 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 you know? Tinder. And, uh, the chick was like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know, you want to hang out? She's like, yeah, come on over to my fucking hotel. So I was like, all right, dude, I'll come over to your hotel. Your hotel. See, that would be a red flag. I would think if the girl's like, although with Jizzy Jake, I think we had different standards. But if the girl's like, hey, I met you on Tinder. Come over to my hotel. Wouldn't you immediately think she's a, probably a prostitute? No. You wouldn't think I would think so. that's what I would think. I, I tend to be naive in those situations still sometimes at first. I guess I guess after you've yeah. talked to her, maybe she's here just, you know, visiting or something. Mm. Like El I don't even fucking know. El Diablo. Where all these fucking names sound the same out here. But uh 
fucking um support. I don't, I don't even fucking know, but it was like 45 fucking minutes away from my house. So I drank tequila all the way there, and I went there, and she was a real chunker, and uh, and <laughs> a real you know, chunker. like fucking, you know, I didn't come all this way for nothing. I'll tell you what, but uh, fucking um, and then fucking like when I was leaving, I actually, I, before I left, I showed her uh, some fucking uh, old school uh, Parliament Funkadelic because we were talking about Grateful Dead, and I was like, fuck the Grateful Dead. Uh, actually, I love the Grateful Dead, but fuck all the people who like the Grateful Dead. They should like George Clinton more. So then we fucking got in. Parliament Funkadelic is way better than the Grateful Dead. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, the Grateful Dead is just terrible. Yeah. So wait, what, what happened, Jizzy Jake? You glossed over kind of a major part here. Did you get laid? Was she a prostitute? What what happened here? Was any cash exchanged? And you just kind of glossed over that. You just said, okay, and then I left and told her about Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah, ca- castings, you know. Yeah. Each other. And then fucking, um, and then when I was leaving, God damn it, hold on, I'm blanking on her already. And it's been like fucking five seconds. I just pulled out of the fucking parking lot. What did I fucking say to one fucking, uh, um, anyways, I was fucking walking out and fucking, um, and like uh, this, uh, this like I think she was a prostitute, but she had like a weave in her hair, and she, uh, you know, looked like a real floppy prostitute. And um... wait, the girl he was with, the chunky girl, had a weave, and he thinks she's a prostitute. What was the the adjective there? Glossy. Okay, Is I thought it was said? somebody's name. It was like, I'm rewinding that. He's a Bill Glossy prostitute or something. Well, so he's saying that he left and then there's a, a, another, is that her pimp that came after him? I'm confused about this. Don't know. Fucking walking out and fucking, um, and like, uh, this, uh, this, like, I think she was a prostitute, but she had like a weave in her hair and she, uh, you know, looked like a real glossy prostitute. Glossy. um, Yelled at me for some reason, dude. I don't know. I'm fucked up, man. I can't really recall uh, a couple minutes ago. But um, she uh fucking um uh, like yelled at me, and I said, "Why don't you?" Uh, this is what I said. I said, "Why don't you eat it?" Just in general, like eat anything. I just said, "Eat it." And then her boyfriend came out of the fucking. Oh, maybe your boyfriend. Out. Why don't you eat it? Like eat a dick, or just eat it? Like the Weird Al song. Yeah, I don't think it's the latter. <laughs> Why don't you eat it? Like, you could think of anything else to say. It's, it's pretty epic. I'm going to have to start using that. So anyway, he tells her to eat it, and then the boyfriend comes out. Maybe some hood, hood motherfucker that was running the gangbang. I don't fucking know. But he came out of the hotel while I was walking back to the fucking hotel, and I had a bottle of tequila and a fucking bottle of Heineken in my fucking hand. And he was coming at me, and I was like, motherfucker, you want to ride the lightning? And I fucking tried to break the bottle on the side of my fucking car, and it, and it bounced off the side of my car, and he kept coming at me, so I broke it on the fucking ground, and then I fucking was like, let's go, bitch! And then once I broke it, it was like, shark fucking sharks and shit, dude. Uh, he backed the fuck up. So, uh, there you go. There's your three-minute fucking phone call. It could have been more epic and fucking a five-parter. <laughs> I just want to let you guys know. Um, that almost shanked the bitch. <laughs> wow. 
And he's he, a what bitch? He was gonna shank the bitch. Oh wow. He was gonna shank the bitch with a with a broken bottle of tequila. Hmm. Wow. Um he he does end up calling back with a part two, but it's short. So let's play it real quick. All right, bitches. It's very abnormal for me not to call up with a second phone yeah. call. And even though I already spilled my guts on that one, I'm just going to fucking give you a real golden one here, all right? Here we go. It ain't my fault that I'm out here getting loose and I'm blaming on my juice and I think I lost a tooth. Yeah. Ain't my fault that I'm out here getting loose and I'm blaming on my juice and I think I lost a tooth. Yeah. Why did you get Jizzy Jake to sub uh, Patreon last week? Why didn't I? Yeah. Because uh, he was kind of upset, I think, because the the time when I was away and, and you had um, Steel and Wackerly, they were like, he's probably just coming out here to so we could suck dick and try to get on the show. <laughs> And Jizzy Jake actually took offense to that shit, so he's he's uh, you know wary of doing the show now. What? Yep. Oh my god, that's so. ridiculous. I even I think refuted both of their claims on that. Yeah. Well. So I was like, he doesn't want to be a a third co-host. Mm. Well, I say we have him on just to spite those two pricks. It's up to him. It's up to him. Well, if, you know? if he wants yeah. to get on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, I would have, but I don't want to dissuade him from calling the show with his amusing stories. So That's he, true, too. You yeah. know, so I don't want to, I don't want to sacrifice that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's some questions. There's some questions that have arisen from this, uh, this story there, Jizzy Jake. Was she a prostitute? And if so, how much did it cost? Mm. That's all I want to know. Or... Yeah. Did you not have sex with her and just got drunk and listened to Parliament? Like, uh, um, a lot of information that was left out. So give us a call. Let us know. 323-522-4032. Uh, we did get an email, which I want to address here on the show because this email, emails like this have come up from time to time. And I usually just delete them. But this one, like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring this up on the show. So this guy send in a song by one of, I would say probably one of my m- not most hated bands. No, definitely, I'd say they're up there with bands that I just absolutely despise. Built to Spill. You know them? I'm familiar with the name, but I can't place a song in my memory. So. They're god-awful. I don't, mm. I don't even, the only song I know by them is the song that this guy sent in and sundry other listeners have also sent this song in, being like, how come you guys haven't played this? So Built to Spill wrote a song called Sick and Wrong. It's awful. It's awful. They sound like, they kind of remind me of like that, kind of like, do you remember that band like Sebado? Like yes. Those like 90s nerd bands. Yeah, that was like... Uh, I don't know what would you call that music. For that, but I forget, yeah. It's, it's awful. It's awful. And so this band kind of reminds me of that. And they came out with a song called Sick and Wrong, which I had never heard of until assholes started sending it in, being like, why don't you use this as a theme song? And I played, I remember about like 40 seconds of it, and I'm like, this sucks. Like, it's just shit. I would never use this as a theme song. So I just tend to ignore the emails. But this one, I I feel like I, I, I don't know, I need to address it. 
Wes from British Columbia, from Penticton, British Columbia. He wrote okay. in, okay, I've been listening to your podcast from the beginning, and I've been wondering, why the hell haven't you weaved this song into your show? Mm. If you listen, make sure you get to the chorus before judging. I think this could be your next promo tune. Cheers. Keep up the good work. They'll never be the next promo tune, Wes. I hate that song. Which song? Sick and Wrong by Built to Spill. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's never a terrible heard. song. Yeah. It's a song that I couldn't even I couldn't even get to the chorus. I had a roommate like in college for a couple of the years, and he was just into all that. I don't even know what you call that. I d- I d- all, that all that like indie rock, like Pavement. Pavement, that's the band. Yeah. What were some of those other ones? Zebedo, um, Pavement, Zebedo. Built to Spill. And uh, oof. Uh, there was another big one, like too. Presidents of the United States of America. No, that Weren't wasn't they one, one of those. Oh, okay. No, they were more kind of pop punk or like, something. Yeah, like nerd alt- but, uh, alternative yeah, like- nerd music. Right, like Pavement. Ooh, yeah. What was Pavement's one of the worst. There yeah. is one we're missing, an obvious one that we're missing. Who's the band that did the album called like Whiskey Tango Foxtrot? Oh, Wilco. Wilco, yeah. yeah Wilco. Yeah. I would say Wilco's slightly better Wilco's than the other ones. Simple. Yeah, that's for sure. I would rather listen to Wilco than, yeah. than Built to Spill. Of um, Montreal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of Montreal is another one that's kind of that's in the mm. same vein. But they're a little later. Like this... I think Built yeah, to Spill later, yeah. and uh, Sebado and Pavement and all that. That was like, what, 1998, maybe 97? Yeah. It was and like they, a big popular genre at the time. Yeah, they did all right. Um, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't think they're doing that great anymore. Just Thank because God. it's kind of like the novelty of it is kind of like, well, what are you even doing? You know? But I so. wonder if like a band like that, you know, they didn't make like Counting Crows money, mm. you know? Or crash True. test dummies. Sure. So, anyway. Well, there you go. That's why I'm not never going to play that song, Wes. But thank you for sending it in. I appreciate the effort. Um, the gesture. Uh, people, best way to support the show is by becoming a Sick and Wrong patron. Uh, Patreon.com slash Sick and Wrong. Sign up today. Um, I noticed Harrison put out a Let's Kill Ourselves last week. That's right. So that's cool. So we have lots of bonus content that comes out. We usually do outtakes. We do an extra story. We do some extra phone calls. Um, every week we do that. So uh, if you sign up now, I mean, it's like hundreds of hours of extra, extra material at this point. Because we've had that thing for a couple of years now. So much stuff. So much stuff. So go check it out. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Sign up today. We do appreciate that. Um, also go check out the Discord, which uh, you can link right from the Patreon page. As soon as you sign up, you can become a Discord guy. Guy that goes to Discord. Sure. <laughs> I can't really think of another name for it. A Discord person. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of action going on there. I need to get on the Discord one of these days. feel bad about that. Um... Finally, here's Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. Another uh, punk rock pioneer died this past weekend. Walter Lure, a co-founding member of uh, the Heartbreakers, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers. He died on uh, um, just this past uh, August 22nd um, at the age of 71. He had cancer. Um, 
I had no idea that Walter Lure, so he was a guitarist that was on the band's only studio album, uh, 1977's LAMF, which is a great record. The whole record's amazing. Uh, but he was like the last original surviving member. Um, Johnny Thunders was the front man. You had uh, Billy Rath, the bassist, and drummer Jerry Nolan. All those guys are dead. And now Walter Lure, the last member, he died too. Um, but apparently he was in that band, you know, which I don't think they ever really made any money, even though they're a seminal punk band. But afterwards, in the 80s, he became a stockbroker, which is uh, such a punk rock do. thing to do. Yeah, they all do. So he yeah. became a stockbroker, but he continued performing even up to this year. Like he was in a band called like Walter and the Waldos. Mm. which I I had never heard about. But anyway, great album, uh, LAMF. We're going to play a track that actually uh, Walter Lure wrote with Johnny Thunders called All By Myself Mm. um, from uh, from LAMF. Uh, People will be back next week with episode 754. Till then, take it sleazy.
Finland. I just wanted to say that if you want to fuck children, you go to Pattaya. So you might want to check what Sleazy is doing. And, uh, oh yeah, Swedish people are gay. Later.